All right, welcome to Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Jim Jam. As always, I'm Scoop Magoo. And uh, did you have a good vacation? I sure did. Did you have a good vacation, Scott? I did. I right. did indeed. It was uh, it was very nice, and I am uh, I'm glad to be back. Just because, I, like, it, it was nice, but I feel like this summer has been um, like either it's been oppressively hot or raining for a vast majority of the days, which has been I don't yeah. know. It's, it's been odd, but yeah, I guess. Um, in either case, we are back from our uh, brief vacation, a couple weeks of vacations, I guess not brief, uh, and we are starting launching right into July with uh, album anniversaries, uh, and we've got some uh, some humdingers, I guess, if you will. Ooh, <laughs> I know. What a, what a word. I love it. I, I just plucked it out of my butt, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but we, we, some of these, actually all of these are very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and we're going to start off with uh, Maggot Brain by Funkadelic that turns 50 this year. And I guess it's, you said it's today, actually? That Yeah, I just I happened to see it was kind of a weird coincidence. I saw an article from Pitchfork on Facebook that it, it literally came out July 12, 1971. Which is so, so fortuitous uh, timing on our part. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm actually curious, before I launch into my thing about this, um, I mean, I, I think, have you ever listened to this album before, before this? I think we talked about it at, at some point. Or... Yeah, but I, well, so we had a guitar solos episode that I chose the title track of this as one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. Um, but I, I, I've just, I, I never really asked you about like, if you've ever listened to like any P-Funk before. No, I mean, I mean, I, I've, I've definitely heard this this record before. Uh, I don't know. I haven't listened to a ton of funk, even though I like like I have a, um, a Herbie Hancock record. I think it's called Man. Oh yeah, Manchild. Yeah, 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 which, yeah. Is, which is very very funky. I bought it really really cheap at a, you know, like a, a record store record store, um, where they just have nothing but like old musty records. Um, and I love that album, and I think I have. There's probably another record I'm forgetting about in my collection that's more funky, but um, it's, it's a style that I enjoy, but I've never really dove into that. I much. mean, this is this is like I, I I mean, I would say, and I mean, I'm not an expert in this genre by any means, but like, I feel like the best two places to start, James Brown, and Funkadelic or P Funk, so Parliament Funkadelic, anything with George Clinton in it, basically. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, Funkadelic's third album, and uh, this is following, I think, their self-titled debut, and then uh, the uh, aptly titled um, "Free Your Mind and Your Ass Will Follow." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. Th- y- you kind of know what you're getting into if you look at the album cover of this album. You know, it's this woman just like screaming on like a pile of dirt. Uh, it's, I, I mean, I, I guess there's actually like a whole like mythology kind of like, the, the, like there's an actual thought of, around the album cover and the name, the title and things like that. Uh, but you know, it's all kind of speculation because, you know, George Clinton and Parliament or Funkadelic, that whole collective, because I mean, I just in short, they are kind of the same band, um, 
in in a way they share a lot of members during their time and so you know they would tour together and things like that and george clinton was the you know sort of the mastermind behind both so the you know it, it they're kind of the same band anyway um they were on a lot of psychedelics around this time <laughs> yes, yes so uh and if i mean all you have to do is just press play on this thing and you know you, you hear you know mother earth is pregnant for the third time <laughs> just <laughs> i have tasted the maggots of the mind i was not offended yeah um yeah so this is uh th- this was probably i think this was my introduction to p-funk and most funk actually um because i think before that i was i got into james brown a little bit but this was like probably the sort of the hardest the funkiest funk if you will um that i got into even though it's it's such a strange album in that like it's not really a funk album in a way like it it feels like it's it's touching on like everything that was going on like during the 60s and the 70s yeah yeah like it just felt like there was like a lot of rock going on in it there's a lot of r&b parts you know, there was a lot of psychedelic nonsense going on. There was, mm-hmm. w- there's whatever you call the, the track, the Wars of Armageddon, um, <laughs> with the. Yeah. I, I think there's those parts where, where people are farting on it. Yeah, like, it's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, I think there, then there's that vocal. And it's like do 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 or something like that. Like fuck yeah, um, God, I don't even know where to fucking start here. I I this is one of my favorite albums of all time. I specifically remember listening to this, uh, I think maybe even for the first time uh, in New York City. I was living in Manhattan uh, very briefly, and I listened to this out on one of the piers uh, on, I think it was the east side, uh, so facing like the East River. And uh, (laughs) it was like, so... I mean, the, the the album starts up with the title track, which is basically just one 10-minute guitar solo, which, I mean, I, we've previously gone over, which I, I freaking love, and I, I really wish that people would give it more attention than they do, like, the Stairway to Heaven guitar solo, um, because I feel like it's just infinitely more deserving. But um, regardless, I it, it the way it transitions from the title track right into... Um, can you get to that is like kind of whiplashy because it's just like like it's so different it's so calm almost compared to like the i don't know like it's almost like like the title track is kind of like the id of like the whole album Mm. in a way and it's just like the rest of it is just kind of like the ego and just kind of like the reaction to all of that in a way uh and i mean you can you can sort of hear george clinton's roots in uh can you get to that because he actually um so i think parliament actually started as i believe the parliaments uh if i remember right i i george clinton was originally part of a barbershop quartet that was how he got to start in music hmm. and and you can kind of hear that in the chorus you know uh, they, with the really low, I want to know, I want to know if you can get to there. Yeah, like that whole thing. Um, yeah, it's it's just, it's, it's, an, it's a really incredible listen because it, it both, like, it, there are some amazing 
parts that are just drenched in psychedelia and just amazing guitar solos and just just a lot of this groove going on that you know is what you think of when you think of funk but it's surrounded by all this other stuff you got um i think i think the track is back in our minds uh with like the weird like little uh i i think like the i i, I think it's like a special symbol that they're using to make that mm-hmm. doom sound uh which can get a little annoying uh d- depending if you know if you're in the mood for it but <laughs> anyway I feel like I'm rambling. I just think that this thing is so unique for what it is. And it's so unlike any funk album you will ever listen to. And yet it stands firmly in it, in that genre in a way. And it's just, it's an incredible listen. Um, But Scott, I I really want to turn it over to you because I don't think we've really ever talked about this album before, like in in its entirety. Yeah, I love... The way you position it is basically, you know, w- with a, a funk foundation, which is a fun term that I didn't, <laughs> didn't intend to say, but that's really fun. Um, that, that, that's a new nonprofit, the Funk Foundation. <laughs> the Funk Foundation. Um, One Nation Under the Groove, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it really does feel like, um, like an amalgamation of, of pretty much every style in this, you know, kind of adjacent funk sphere that was going on at the time and it's uh i think just with my 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 checkered past with guitar solos and the fact that for some reason i always which perhaps um justified i always like am expecting a funk explosion right out out of the gate uh the extended guitar solo threw me for a bit of a loop i think you know on second listen, I definitely appreciated it more because, you know, I knew it was coming and then I, I, you know, knew I was remembered what the rest of the album sounded like. But once you actually get into the album itself, I mean, it's just, it's just so fun. It just is such a fun, insanely, you know, unhinged in the best way possible. You know, just, just great fun. Kind of everything album, you know, it's it's got some funk in there, some jazz. I mean, like there's some you know psychedelic rock, some some yeah. It basically, it's just a, a quintessential '70s record. There's a reason this is as acclaimed as it is. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think even you know some of the like like the farting at the end, even even <laughs> that, that's that's objectively like really silly, you know, really immature. I don't know. It just it felt it just felt fun. It just felt funny. Like it was just like a bunch of people in a room doing, I mean, again, like you, you don't have to know the history of the band to, to, to know that they were probably taking some mind bending substances. There are actually um, some interesting stories behind that because I, if I remember if my, if what I've learned is correct, I think the first time they were actually introduced to LSD was actually as test subjects in Timothy Leary's experiments back in Harvard. Really? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a fun little tidbit. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's just interesting to see how interconnected, like, the world of acid was back in, like, the 50s and 60s. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's psychedelic as fuck. I mean, yeah, but fun is, is definitely a key word. I think I, we talked about this before when, um, I think I had uh, a Parliament album as, like, my album of the week. And mm-hmm. I, I just said, like, you know, just kind of that the term Afrofuturism uh, which has been applied to a lot of George Clinton's work, is 
you know, kind of a depressing term for me because it, it, it feels like it takes itself way too seriously. And while George Clinton definitely has a lot of political, you know, um, social commentary in his music, there's a level of humor in it that I feel like sometimes gets unrecognized. I mean, just you know, the bride of Dr. Funkenstein, you know, or just you know, the, the psychomotor booty fair uh, for your mind and your ass will follow, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, just all these things. And like, yeah, like this album is just like, there's a joy about it. Uh, and there's just an enjoyment in listening to it. Like, I, I, I feel like I, I nowadays I feel like like music listening sometimes gets like sort of divided into these ideas of like you either need to like it's a serious piece of work and like you get your enjoyment through really concentrating on it. And then there's these other albums that are like, you know, I, I guess it's like kind of like, um, you know, instant gratification versus, you know, uh, like sort of like a mastery almost, but like, it's more on like a, like an experiential level. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I, I enjoy both very much, but like, this is like, I feel like an enjoyable thing. And I don't think that there's anything bad about that, I guess. Um, yeah, no, for, for sure. I mean, I, I think that um, there are a number of genres that this touches that you might feel other musicians might take it a little bit more seriously. And, and that's not to say, I think, I guess the distinction I'm trying to make is just because they're having fun, just because this kind of zany, you know, ridiculous stuff on this album doesn't mean that they're not taking their craft seriously and yeah. more importantly that they're I mean, not the, the musicianship you know, is really, definitely really there good at what they're doing yeah um you know I, I think you can have a good time but also you know be a little silly be a little fun and this is the this is one of those albums that once i hear it for the first time in a while i just feel like i need to listen to it more so uh, this was a great opportunity to yeah revisit it and I'm yeah really and good. Yeah, and I think just one last shout out for me is like I I love the track. Um, was I mean I love every track on this thing, but um, you and your folks, me and my folks, I love that song. Like the intro to that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like it's so just groovy in like a not in like a hardcore funk sort of way, but just in like a easy going, but like it really like really locks you in it's like it's it, it, it's like i don't know it's like the audio equivalent of somebody like grabbing your hand and forcing you onto the dance floor like you you just you just kind of want to shift to the song a little bit yeah um yeah i fucking i i just i fucking love this thing i listening to this it made me realize that i really need to listen to more parliament and like more p-funk because there, there's a ton of really really good like albums like under this umbrella Mm-hmm. And I just really have not, do- like, dove, dive in. I- I've not dived into it as dove. much as I... Yeah. Dove in? Yeah. Dove in. I've not Love dove in into it as much as I feel like <laughs> I should. Um, but, yeah. I-, 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 I would also say that for those people who haven't listened to this and are interested in P-Funk, I, I would honestly say go to the album Mothership Connection by Parliament. I think that's probably a more palatable entry point into you know p-funk in general but 
I feel like this is like the crown jewel, nonetheless. Yeah, no, this, um, this is this is definitely definitely an essential listen from you know the seventies, if not just essential yeah, listening period. But I, it's perhaps even more essential listening is our next album. Yeah, I, I mean yeah. this is definitely. I'd say probably, I mean, I, I love a lot of, so first of all, it's Master Reality by Black Sabbath, and, and it might be my favorite Sabbath album. I mean, I, I love so many of their early records. Uh, just yeah. haven't really gotten into the Dio era. I don't know why. I, I feel like I, I I'm really with you. I, I totally get you. I, I, I really liked the track, uh, the title track off of the album Mob Rules, um, and like Heaven and Hell is a good track too. But I really have not listened to the Dio era or like any other era of, of yeah. Sabbath. And it's um, weird because I actually really like Dio's voice, but just for whatever reason, I, I don't know. But yeah, this. I, yeah. No, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say that it's just like I, I'm just the same way. Uh, and I, I there there are some good albums there, I think. I just, you know just have not explored them. I think part of it is because the, you know, sort of the Aussie era, or at least like the first five albums of the Aussie era are just like bona fide classics. Yeah. Including this Including, album, which yes. I feel like every, t- so, I mean, this isn't necessarily a critique, but I feel like every time I listen to this, for whatever reason, I have that initial mental block and I, I feel like I'm not alone, is that we're just expecting a, a, an album full of Sweet Leaves. Just like, <laughs> really, but, yeah, but like really yeah. in your face, super obvious, like stoner classics, and that's just not that's yeah. not all that this it's, album has. It really is offer. I mean, there's a lot more, um, you know, like uh, Children of the Grave. You know, obviously has some some do like that. There's a cool riff organ combo that it's is just or- straight orchid. Up. You yeah. know, uh, it, Lord of This World is kind of weird. Uh, yeah, they, they, I, I, I totally, I totally get you. I mean, see, when, when I go into listening to Master of Reality, I, I, I think I take a little bit of like bias into it, um, unfortunately, because I think this is like the album that like everybody points to with Black Sabbath, and I think it's because of the album cover. In, in a way, like, get, like just sort of the the lettering and everything is just so iconic at this point. Like, it, it, it's kind of like, um, like an earlier version. Of like unknown pleasures, you know why? Yeah, I could see that. I could like, see that. Yeah. and I, I think it's just like there's like this expectation that this is like, oh, this is like the perfect Sabbath album. This is the best Sabbath album. And I mean, I, I've listened to Sabbath for a long time now, and like, I I always I'm like, dude, like the first album is really good though. Like the self titled is really good, and like so's Paranoid. <laughs> and so is this one, and so it's just like it's so tough to choose. It's it, it's like choosing your fair child for me. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, so yeah, I'm I. And but then you come to you know, like you know like later albums like like Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, and uh, that have like some really good stuff on them, and like Sabotage even, and uh, you know those are great albums in themselves as well that just don't get it as much love. But I mean, we're we're talking about this one though. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I and I, yeah. I think there's a reason. In a sense, just because I mean, Sweet Leaf is just such a great like that opening riff. Yeah. Um, again, I think the album is more, way more to offer than sometimes we give ourselves. You know, that like we allow ourselves to think. You know, like, we we latch on to 
high points on albums. We latch onto our favorite songs, and Sweet Leaf is just such an, part of it is because my father in law loves the, loves Blacks and this song specifically. Like and that's every time, so funny. Yeah, I always try to play it like when he's around. He'll like mimic the cough, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's pretty undeniable how influential this was to the you know the the worlds of doom and sludge and stoner i mean like obviously their their whole career was influential to those genres and beyond yeah, but in the I, world I, of metal this was definitely like the quintessential like the, i i feel like this was like the first like solidified doom album in a way yeah because like the like the first two sabbath albums are are amazing and i i i still feel like i probably like them more than master reality but like they're kind of all over the place stylistically, and they, I, I think this one is too. But I feel like there are certain parts of it, and I think there's like an overall like spirit to the album that feels more locked into, you know, what would eventually like influence a band like Saint Vitus, um, you know, or like uh, what I think was the band like Trouble Nine, am I? Yeah, or even a band yeah. like like Cathedral. I mean, I th- I hear a lot of yeah. Sabbath and Cathedral where or a Candle Mass, yeah. You know? Like yeah. I just, I feel like there's so many. It's it's super obvious where their I mean, influence it's, it, it's so easy to to fall into Sabbath worship. I think when you get into this genre, um, like it's just like, like um, I don't know. It it, it it it's it's like trying to make like a complicated video. Like it's trying to make a like a video game lore, and just like eventually you end up with Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> um. I, that, that that's I, I, I think that that's a very uh, esoteric maybe pull of a joke, but um, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Just yeah, um, you know when I was listening to it this time around, uh, I it's funny like I I didn't realize how off like how well I knew this album because it's probably been it's been a few years since I've listened to this album, um, and I I knew every single track like intimately like it, it, in a way that like i usually don't know like a ton of music like i, mm-hmm. I feel like there are only like a handful of albums on my shelf that i can truly attest to knowing that well and like this is weirdly one of them and i didn't expect it but like as i listened to it i was like oh yeah this is where this part comes in and like oh what do you know ozzy starts saying this just <laughs> as i expected you know it's just like oh yeah. all right like ah yeah it's i I, I was actually I was packing up to move when I was listening to this too, and it was just a great, great way to uh, to to spend that time. <laughs> you know, I was just, yeah, man. I I think I also I I feel like it's worth talking about here is that the production on this album is just like, I think maybe that's probably what makes this album so influential, at least partially. It's like that, just how I mean I I feel like they already had that production kind of locked in from the first album on but like i feel like it takes i i don't know it, it feels like a, like a next level it, it's sort of like um you know how like uh, like my issue with like ride the lightning like like one of my biggest issues with that album is the production on it that like headfield's vocals always seem like a little kind of washed out and like reverb and kind of cold sounding um and it feels like with Mas- uh, master of puppets that it kind of they fix that and they kind of bring it up a little bit and like there's an overall uh there's an overall increase in polish 
Um, and I feel like this is like the same thing that you've got like Iomi's guitar like really going really well, mm-hmm. but then you know, and you've got Butler's you know awesome bass lines and everything is just tight and just like feels like it is all mixed perfectly and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, God, so it's, it, see, I, I, this is like I, I can genuinely I remember like my senior year of high school near the end of that year I was really into Black Sabbath and I would literally like just spend hours just listening to these albums on YouTube uh, and just just while I'm like doing other things and so I I mean I, I have listened to the like I I've probably listened to the three the first three Black Sabbath albums like maybe more than any other metal album <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it it's and, and but it's, it's such an interesting intersection like i feel like you know obviously that there's some straight up rock appeal that you know and obviously you know older folks sort of you know grew up <laughs> with, with this kind of music but there's there's a darker edge and just a, a little bit is just something different about this like it, it, this yeah. fits in i guess what i'm trying to say is it fits in so well on like classic rock radio but it just it also stands out that it's I guess, for lack of better words, it's kind of it's it's cool. Like it's, it's yeah, not, I mean, it's not like lame old school hard rock heavy metal. Like this, just it has a little I, extra oomph to it. I always feel like that. That's what sets them like sets Black Sabbath apart from like I, I think it's like why people look to Sabbath as like being the first metal band in a way because they had like that that mystique to them that like mm-hmm. it was like oh yeah like you know rowdier and like you know more. I guess not heavy, but like darker than like putting on like a Boston album or something yeah. or like deep purple even, you know? Uh, and so like, yeah, like you said, like, you know, it, it's so easy to just like turn on a radio and just like flip the dial and you're like, oh, okay, there we go. Iron Man, you know, but at the same time, the, it definitely, Sabbath always feels apart from all of that. At, like at the same time. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, I think it's especially on this album. Uh, Though I I think there are moments on the first one too, like I mean the title track of the first album is is just like so not normal for like a rock song at that time. Mm. But anyway, yeah, I mean it. I think what's really insane is that like if you want to use this album as like a metric of metal, metal's been around for fifty years now, and just think about how expansive it's grown in that fifty years. Yeah. Like it, like that's just mind blowing to me. That it's just like it all comes down to bands like this. Yet, like you know, and like like you can sort of do like that Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon thing from like Wolves in the Throne Room all the way to fucking Black Sabbath. And I, I like that's just really cool. And it's 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 definitely one of those things that makes metal such uh, an interesting genre. Just not only on like a musical level, on a listening level, but just on like a like a cultural level as well uh yeah just it yeah and i think it was metal a headbanger's journey um documentary that yeah which yeah. is a great documentary yeah uh, um but i think it was with pretty sure it was rob zombie they interviewed him and he said you know basically every riff in the metal canon is just you know a sabbath riff that's been you know, sped up or slowed down or, or tweak a yeah. little bit you know obviously that's a that's hyperbolic but i mean it's very it's it's when you listen to sabbath it's super obvious 
where yeah. they're... Um, I, it kind of reminds me of... Um, I, I remember... I've heard this quote that... I think it was Brian Eno said that, like, everybody who bought uh, Velvet Underground and Nico made an out, made a band. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah. great quote. And, and I'm like, that kind of the same thing here. Like, you know, it just... Like it's just one of those albums that you it just worms its way into your mind and you just gotta you gotta get it out in like the most positive way possible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I just man, again, I, the theme of this episode for me is just uh, <laughs> listening to bands that make me want to listen to that. You know, I know listen to those oh bands my God, more dude. often. I I am so like I, especially I mean I do you have are you ready for the next one because yeah. uh, I, I, so 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 we'll go for a walk where it's quiet and dry and and talk about precious things absolutely like, uh, that sounds great <laughs> well I, that was a really good segue I'm, I'm a fan I uh, yeah so we're yeah we're talking about uh, the Queen is Dead by the Smiths next which turns thirty five this month which I mean I think out of all of these. I've probably, I was saying this, I, I, me and my dad were talking about, I was talking to him about this when we were going to record this episode, and he's like, you know, he'd never heard of, like, The Smiths, he'd never heard of, like, my obsession with this album, and I'm like, I, out of all the CDs I own, and out of all the albums I've listened to, The Queen is is probably the one I've listened to more than any of them. Like, I, and I've probably only been listening to this thing since, like, mm, 2018, like I, I just I am obsessed with this fucking album. Yeah, uh, I I love this thing so much. Like there was a time that this was just my favorite album of all time, um, and and I can't I, I I think it's like we've talked about this before that it it's like entered that pantheon um, in my mind of like it's it's so familiar to me and I know it so well and I love it so much that it's almost difficult to talk about. <laughs> Because even my dad's like, what do you like about it? And I'm like, I I can't even tell you at this point. Like, it's just like, like it, it, it's like saying like, oh, why do you like, you know, your left arm? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's a part of you. Like, it's Jerry Maguire, you know, you complete me. <laughs> but I mean, that's such a good point is that, I mean... And part of it is listening to Smiths. Like, what do you like about this? I'm like, I mean, just just listen to it. Like, what what is there not to like? It's just so, I, it's yeah. Just I, so, I, I yeah. mean, I think it's. I, I mean, it's. I, I think with any great album, I think it's a, it's a combination. I mean, depending on sort of the the music that's at play, but it, most of the time it's uh, you know just a perfect fusion of songwriting and performance. And it, this is just there. I mean, from the minute you know, like after that that movie uh song ends that starts up the album and the title track you know to have those drums come in like i love that drum beat for the title track uh and just how it just bam just goes right from there uh and just how you have like sort of every sound that made up the smiths you know shows up on the sub like it's it's not like you know they're they're exploring like something new this time you know it's it's more like they're going to everything during their career up to that point and just kind of bending it and playing around with it in new ways you know you got like those pitched up vocals on like big mouth and uh but then you've got you know like i think big mouth is probably the most indicative of just like that overall experimentation that's going on 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kind of like that uh, how soon is now type of, you know, mentality. But you can hear that in the title track, too, with that. I don't know if you've you've noticed this, but that little hum that shows up from time to time mm-hmm. in the title track. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, which is, I, I, I think they, like, when they were recording, they, they heard that, and they had it recorded and added into the mix, if I remember right. That, that, that's the story I've heard about it. I really should have pulled down my, uh, I have a biography on the Smiths, uh, and I should have just read the Queen is Dead chapter <laughs> before <laughs> this. Um, but I feel like we, we hold it so, you know, close to both of us that... Um, we could talk about this at any point in time if we could talk about it and I feel like each of our conversations would be different I, just I mean honestly I, I feel like we could do a whole episode just on this album but yeah I, I mean it's just yeah. such a I mean my journey with the Smiths is um, you know I checked them out I really really love and I still love one of my favorite Smith songs uh, This Charming Man off of self-titled yes. and so you know I, I saw it I bought that and I liked the album but it really for some reason it didn't click with me uh, did more research and you know found out that the Queen was dead was actually the album that everyone you know kind of fond as their as, as their their finest hour. Um, so I was like, okay, well I'll I'll check it out. And just it was just so, and even still, even after you know that really got me hooked. I, you know, I immediately you know bought you know Strange Ways, Beat His Murder, and then eventually you know Louder Than Bombs, uh, Half Full of Hollow. Um, it's just this is just so obvious to me at least that like this is there's there's no holes in this album it's just it's so good all the way through and I, I, yeah i mean it's just so far and above and i love the rest of their their albums i mean the only album i think has like true like like every every album has you know some songs i like more than others um the only album i really don't there are some songs i don't care for is strange strange ways, ways. yeah yeah um, but yeah i mean i just it's it's really Again, so why do you, what do you like about the album? Just listen to it. Listen to the way that you know Johnny Mars guitar and and Morrissey's yeah. vocals are just like so so perfectly like, yeah, suited for shimmering one and just yeah, like just oh. so so suited for one another. You know the the it's it's very much the Smiths all the way through. But oh yeah, the you know each song has its own you know life of its own. There's just great hooks. There's everything about the only, the only thing that makes me sad about listening to this album or any Smiths album for that matter is I would love to see them live, but I, I will never buy a concert ticket um, if Morrissey is involved. And it's not—I mean, <laughs> obviously he—he he is like he is an asshole. Like that's part of it. But mainly, like he's canceled more shows than any other artist I've ever seen. Like I, oh, I would yeah. just be—it would make me so sad to like, look forward to finally seeing these songs perform live. And then you know he just pulls out. Um, but I, yeah. I mean, the one the one thing that really stands out to me about the Smiths and like this is you know it's very, it's very much we can't experience it in full necessarily because it's you know so much after the fact. But to release all the music they did in such a short period of time, mm. it's just it, like what an insane run. I just it's just so yeah it's like it's so cool to me that you know again we, we have no choice but to listen to them all kind of back to back to back but to you know be be around when these albums are just dropping one after the other it's just so cool yeah definitely it's I mean you know I I, I think at, you know comparing the Smiths to the Beatles 
I think is is kind of a um, kind of an old hat conversation topic. Uh, it's it's kind of like talking about Muse and Radiohead. Like it's it's just not. I don't know. I I I'm not a big fan of it, but I think the way you described that reminds me a lot of the Beatles that they were able to put out just this insane amount of work in, you know, under a decade, uh, which is just you know amazing. Just in I mean I think part of that is due you know I think for the Smiths too is you know due to uh, record company greed, um, but I mean nonetheless you see these guys doing amazing things with you know that. Uh, sort of that deadline type of mentality um, not advocating it I'm just saying that you know I, I think what they did with it was incredible you know uh, I, I think you know we were talking about sort of just how you know parts of this like, like the Smiths how every part of what made them a band kind of bleeds in this album like I, I love how like you can go from you know sort of the title track which is kind of like you know kind of post-punky to like you know frankly mr shankly which is just like the most bumbling fucking song on the album it is i mean it's glorious mind you but it's just like like it's i always view like the songs that sound like mr shankly uh you know like you know like nowhere fast and stuff like that as like kind of like I don't know, like bumbling, you know, kind of like the the cheesy side of the Smiths in yeah. a way. Uh, and it, it's, it's still great, but I just I, I think it's cool to see that. But then you go to like you know in a couple tracks you go to Big Mouth, which is just like the opposite end of the fucking spectrum. You know, it, it it's just ah, oh, it's so it's such a unique like varying listen. And you know, I think to harken back to our track sequencing episode. This is like an album that I mean, maybe it's from just having listened to this album in full so many times that I feel like the sequencing is just perfect on it. Mm-hmm. That I feel like, you know, the the mood sort of rises and falls in a really really nice way. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think if there is a fault to this album, and and even then, I don't even know if I'd call it a fault. I, I would say maybe sort of having you know some girls are bigger than others as like the like the final track is like maybe a strange choice uh just because like you know there is a light is just like such a perfect closer or at least it could be um in some ways like i i like to think of like some girls are bigger than others as like kind of like a bonus track if, if that makes any sense like like it, yeah. it sounds like one to me like it's it, you know what kind of reminds me of is um have you ever listened to uh controversy by prince no i haven't honestly so th- there's there's a song at the end of that the final track is called jack you off <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Which, great you, it, it's it's a very prince it's a very prince name you know it has like <laughs> the, it, it has the letter u instead of you know y o u yeah uh because of course that's how prince does things um but that, like, all this to say is that song kind of reminds me of "Some Girls Are Bigger Than Others" in that it 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 feels like it's kind of like a not necessarily slapdashed, but like a uh, kind of like a humorous uh, ending, sort of like uh, it's kind of like a postscript in a way. I, I think maybe that's the best way to describe it because it's like sort of the way that some girls you know sort of starts how it like it builds up and then fades back down again it 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 just kind of always feels like it's it's like a ps you know 
on top of this album. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really... I, I think it doesn't bother me as much just because I really like the song. Oh, but it, I, but, I, but, but, you, but it, I think it, it's... It, yeah. it doesn't bother me. I, I, I just... I, I think if I was going to... If I'm going to be really critical, I think that would probably be the first place I would go. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I love that song. Yeah, so. I, I think probably maybe a better way to put it is like it doesn't... I don't notice it as much because I really like that song. It's one of my favorites yeah. on the album and beyond. But I think it's pretty undeniable that it... it even if you if you don't think it's a weird way to end the album, I just feel like um, there's a light. It would. It just feels like such a perfect finale. I mean, it's one of the best yeah. songs they ever wrote. It's just it feels it's such a. Uh, it's one of those songs that, you know, it's just it could it could both stand alone like really close out an album. It's just it, it's a really really awesome song. So. Yeah. I, totally, I, I totally see what you mean. Um, yeah. Okay, so I guess knowing... I guess with the knowledge that we are very big fans of this album, we know this album intimately, if you could pick a couple favorite tracks from, from this thing, and I mean, I, I know this is difficult, you know, what would you pick as, as like, your, your like, top three out from The oh, Queen is Dead? Top three? I mean, uh, There's a Light, that's a pretty easy, pretty easy pick. Um, I would say, like, if we're excluding "There Is a Light," um, no, it can be any any track yeah, from this album. I would just, I, I feel like that's yeah. just such a such a softball. Like, it's just a, such. A, but I mean, is it? Because I mean, I, I feel like it's it's deserved very much. I yeah. don't know, it'd be like you know, I I'd be, be like you know, listen to Master Reality and saying like not including Sweet Leaf. Yeah, you know? for sure. Like, like, sure, it's it's I maybe it's um. Is legend precedes it, like precedes the rest of the album to an extent, but Uh, that doesn't mean it it deserves it any less. Then I would definitely, I would, you know, there's a light, easy, um, or the thorn side, also easy. But I think I know it's over. Might actually be my favorite song of the album, Uh, just full stop. Just because, um, you know, I can feel the soil pouring over my head. I mean, that's just again, it's like pure Morrissey you know melodramatic but it's, it's still it's it's a that's pretty pretty stark imagery you know it's and not if you're I mean, so clever why do you sleep alone tonight <laughs> yeah exactly like it just i, I feel like even though it's, it's very much fits into morrissey being you know way really verbose like that's that's really you know and i know it's over but the best just the, the main thing is just how the song builds into like the big climax yeah. at the end like it's just such a such a per- perfectly sequenced song i mean that that just is like quintessential everything I love about the Smiths coming together just amazing guitar work amazing sequencing love Morrissey's lyrics and vocals um, yeah he, he definitely wins the gold for like the deficit between my enjoyment of their craft and my <laughs> ah. not, not not so high enjoyment of, of them as a person yeah um, yeah I mean see I always just think about just like I, I just try not to think about it like I just, yeah, I, I just really I, try to ignore it I, I guess whenever I do think about it, I'm like, you know, people change and not always for the better. But I think at this time, I I I just think it's it's undeniable like to witness sort of the the talent going on on yeah. like nearly every level for for not not only him but just the entire band. And, and, um, I, and I don't think I don't think I mean he's obviously mouthed off a lot, but I don't think he's ever truly done anything like. Like he hasn't like assaulted someone, you know what I mean? Like so, it's a little I mean, bit. He's, 
I mean, if you want to get into this, I mean, he's he's pretty publicly aligned himself with a lot of um, groups that are associated with like white nationalism. Yeah, he 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 has done that. That is um, very true. I, I and again, I as like I'm not gonna try to defend that. I, I I just think I think there's more going on, and I feel like it's also worth pointing out that he's kind of an enigma even back then um you know because you know like like even when they were like you know the huge up-and-coming band in the 80s you know everybody was like oh is morrissey gay you know and Mm -hmm. like like there are all these rumors about him he would like vehemently deny it and then like you know five years after the smith's breakup he's just like oh yeah hey i've been like you know going out with like a boxer (laughs) (laughs) it's like you know I, i mean to be fair you know like it's you say some people, you know, spend their whole lives in the closet. I'm not, you know, trying to shame those people. I, I think it's just like Morrissey. I, I, I don't, I don't even know if Morrissey knows what's going on in his own mind. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I mean, nonetheless. Um, oh, I, I do want to say before uh, we move on. Uh, favorite tracks from this is Cemetery Gates. Uh, without a doubt, is ooh. It could be my favorite Smith song. I think it's it's either This Charming Man or Cemetery Gates. Um, oh, this char- I know it's not on the album, but This Charming Man. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, so uh, Cemetery Gates, uh, I think Big Mouth, and then um, There Is a Light. Yeah. Hey, that's, I, that, that's cool. But we each kind of each had our own three, you know, say for yeah I, I mean sometimes it's difficult because like i i really like the title track i love the drum beat in that and i love sort of um the various phases of that track uh but uh, big mouth is like i i, I think when, when i first listened to this album uh which i, I don't even think i talked about that that i think I, I knew about the smiths because i knew you were a big fan and i just i'd always look at them on like wikipedia and stuff and i mean like there's no way i would like this and uh and then uh one of my friends in grad school was like you should really listen to the queen is dead uh you know and so i i finally did and i was like oh shit (laughs) and like but big mouth was like the track that kind of like flipped the switch in my mind Mm -hmm. uh because it was it was just like the i don't know in my mind it's kind of the weirdest track on the whole album um it's it's probably the most like um hyper i i don't know if hyper is a i i guess like the most up not up tempo either but like driving i guess be, because like even like the queen is dead like like the title the title track feels kind of slowed down tempo wise a little bit mm-hmm. but like big mouth just like races to the finish in a way uh yeah i just fucking love this song i mean they're, they're all great i i they're they're all really good um <laughs> fuck i just i i yeah i i don't know how much longer we could talk about this without me just gushing for all that time because like i i think i said this before on uh this podcast that whenever i go and do like a road trip uh the queen is the first thing i put on like every time <laughs> and i don't really know why because it's in a way it's not really great travel music especially when it's rainy out uh but it's still such a great fucking album that i don't care yeah no i mean it's i mean even before 
I, I was listening to the album for you know this episode. Uh, I, I have a playlist I made for my parents' 30th anniversary party that has just a bunch of songs from I knew they liked from like the 70s, 80s, even a little bit 90s. And Boy with the Thorn, well, Boy with the Thorn aside, came on. And just, you know, the other day, I, I just put it on whenever we're out in the deck with my parents and just immediately started singing along, immediately just felt like happy. Like, it just, every time this has come on, I just, like, perk up. It's just, yeah. there's such such a, just such a great band. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really glad I I stuck with them. You know, I, I think their self-titled maybe was just the wrong time. Maybe I ex- expected more. I, I don't know. But, you know, giving another chance at picking up The Queen is Dead just really opened up. I mean, it's great. It's you know they've become one of my favorite bands, and it's it's yeah. I, I don't see that changing anytime. Yeah, I I I definitely I I just love the Smiths. Um, I think it's about time we move on to our final album today. Yes, which I was yeah. super excited about because every you know, talk about an album where listen to it for the first time in a while, just wow. Yeah, uh, Shabazz Palace is black up, uh, ten years old, and I remember when this album first came out, it made it, you know caused a huge stir and i just sure. I, I mean i was i was interested in it from the beginning because I, I just think the you know the layout's really intriguing and just the way it was described and you know my god like this is just it's whew, it's just such a so even even today 10 years later it's such a unique refreshing um having listened to big wool planets after the fact um, mm, me too. Yeah, yeah, like I totally see how this late, like Diggle Plants, laid the groundwork for them to really, you know, go, you know, kind of go for it and do some really, really interesting things. Um, but this is so, it's just so creative. Like I, I think yeah. like, that that's the you know, obviously I, I love the songs, I love everything about this, but the, you know, kind of taking a step back, I it's just such a such an interesting album like the beats and the way that they you know full lyrics over it and like what they're actually saying it's just such an incredibly creative you know intersection of those um you know of the three elements that really make up uh you know like the, the way that they're rhyming the rhymes themselves and obviously yeah, the production. I, I, I actually wanted to talk about that because I, what always got me about this album and i mean i you know this is initially this was like one of those albums that like you know you listen to like the first you know 20 seconds for me anyway i listened to like the first 20 seconds and i'm like nope you know next album and uh but when i finally actually got past because i think it's just like that beginning where like he you know ishmael butler kind of has like that that kind of like spoken word sort of passage mm-hmm. and then the verse starts uh that verse is amazing like i i I've actually finally like even though this album is 10 years old this month I finally looked into like the lyrics for it and they're really interesting and just like seeing you know like uh what is it, the you know um you know I crab with mooch at poppy's way snuck an extra slice of cake you know just like sort of the 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 cadence that they're using like the flow is just really interesting and I love sort of the wordplay that they use to make that flow fit, you know, uh, further down, it's like, you know, I mean it though, I lean and flow, I gleam and glow, I'm clean and oh, you betcha that I get it, bro, inside the glow, just not for show, three beams, purples, indigo, I love that, like, yeah. fuck, man, like, I, like, listening to that for the first time was just, like, mind expanding, and it, it was just, yeah, I mean, it, 
definitely like there, there, there's definitely like like diggable plants was kind of like the start of this for sure but like this is like i don't know like it, it's it's almost like diggable planets was like i don't know like pink floyd's like echoes in a way or like you know uh like saucer full of secrets or like you know metal or something like that you know and, and then like this is like fucking dark side of the moon that it's just like fucking high point like you know i or i mean if maybe if you want to go into pink floyd maybe it's more like wish you were here for me but mm -hmm. it, nonetheless it's just like it it feels like it's like the apotheosis of sort of what diggable plants almost was trying to do in a way i see i i maybe i don't know i don't know how accurate maybe that is because i felt like diggable plants was like they were trying to do in my mind what like tribe called quest was trying to do but they were doing it like infinitely better uh which I, sh shots fired i know <laughs> like what I, I guess what what, what what i mean is just like that jazz rap sound um like i felt like like Dickable Plants was really just hardcore into that sound that they were really like like I think is it the opening off of um Reachin that they sample um Rain Dance uh Herbie Hancock's Rain Dance probably the beginning of it uh I don't I don't know off the top of my head but that sounds I, right I, I I think it is that sounds right um you know it's just like like those type of pulls and just making like a jazz album that like it feels like it's really looking back in a way on you know the music that you know kind of eventually or at least contributed to hip-hop in a way and it's almost like in a way like Shabazz Palace is, is looking forward instead of back like it's it, 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 it's it's like they reverse directions it's it's like they're Janus but instead of but they only have one face instead Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I I think I'm getting a little up my own ass here. Yeah. Um. Uh, before before <laughs> yeah. I, I want to take a quick segue before I, I jump on that because I do have the segue from there. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite line or my favorite verse is from Eulogy. So actually, it's not. I'd say my favorite line is I forget the track, but it's you know you know close to space out and we can space out. Yeah. Because I space I, out so I, we could space out. I just feel like uh, I don't mean space out in the sense that like put this album on like not really pay attention i just feel like this is such a just out there album that it's one of the few albums where i genuinely it's also short enough that it would be easy i could feel like i feel like i could put this on do like just a, a oh. you know a dedicated listen by the way it's uh recollections of the wraith is the one that has that that line on it oh okay yeah um and i feel like i could put this on just listen to it and like you know clear some space out just space out uh, my favorite verse is from Eulogy, where, you know, the nights are getting stronger, the days are getting longer, buildings getting bigger, outside's getting smaller, lives are getting truer, truth is getting brighter, things are looking blacker, but black, black is looking is whiter, prices is getting higher, yeah. fires is the flyest, the stars are never brighter, the good are getting tired, yesterday you threw it because you got to have the new shit, money is always fooling you, so corny's getting cooler, nothing's going to stop it if it's bound to turn a profit, for this amount I'll do it, for this I'll let you watch it. Like, not only just if you look at what he's saying... But just the way that he says it is just so fucking cool. Like it just such yeah. a, like the flow is so unique. Um, and not I know these are usually positive episodes. So I, I don't see. Wanna, I, I, don't, I I knew this con. I knew this I, topic I, I was going to show up. Too much time on this, but when you see, like everything you were saying about the album, I, I was you know I wanted to rebut or not rebut, but Adam was saying I totally agree. I just wish they were still doing. <laughs> I just wish they were still doing <laughs> yeah. all that. Uh, it's just it's so crazy and 
one one of the things I noticed, or one of the things I forgot about, like it's crazy how much cachet they built up with one album that's barely over a half hour long. Yeah, and like they everything they did on this you know relatively short album. It's just so much better than everything else that's come yeah, out. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like they, they took all of, like, the acclaim and the mystique that they made with Black Up and just drove it into the fucking ground with their next, like, three albums. It's really... It literally is, like, like the definition of lightning in a bottle. Like, it's just... it's And, like, I, I think that the... I really want to spend a lot more time... Or maybe not a lot more time, just because I don't really want to waste my time but the album post black up i spent the most time with was Lysia majesty and i think if i'm being objective uh i i think it was an okay album i just i just i didn't like it as much as black up but i the time i've spent with everything after i just really don't think it's i just really don't think it's like good especially the dawn of diamond dreams i remember we reviewed that and it was just it's just how is this did the we? same band that made Black Up? We did. We reviewed it and it was done. That's funny. I don't remember it at all. So they, I, I, I guess to, that's yeah. that's your review right there, man. We we <laughs> talked about it to some in some capacity. Maybe I brought it up. I forget. But like I I just I could not I well, could not I, believe. So we had an episode where we talked about like you know kind of like um, when artists lose their way almost. Oh, th- that is a hundred percent what where I brought it up. Um, yeah. And it's just you know crazy to to see the trajectory in you know kind of in a, a negative way, um, but again, just want to bring it up briefly because because <laughs> because what's what's crazy is considering what's what's come after. I mean, if 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 they had just released this and nothing else, I mean, I think they would still be like you couldn't tell the story of you know 2010s hip hop without this album. It's just such a such a unique, refreshing project. And it, you know what it, this. The, the, this album is like um, this album is like the cold vein in a way but it's like like Shabazz Palace is, is like Cannibal Ox if Cannibal Ox decided to put out like four albums four more albums instead of just like coming out like 20 years later and just putting out one yeah uh, that, I, that, I think it was like it was like more like 15 I think but it's kind of like how I honestly don't I would be fine without another Mad Villainy album, just because like I, I like Mad Villainy is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's so dear to my heart. I just I am not confident that I would rather live in a world where that's the only thing that they put out together than to potentially have like a really lackluster second release from them. Yeah, because because honestly, like I'm thinking about this, like. I mean, Black Up is still fantastic. Black Up is still great. Like just because the albums that came after it aren't aren't great, um, or even really that good, it doesn't change the fact that this album is great. But I definitely it, w- it would be it would be nice to just have it. You know, I, I feel like it would just be like like cleaner mentally that like black <laughs> you know like just saying man Black Up's awesome like man Mad Villainy is my favorite and you don't have to say but. I wish that they didn't, you know, lay a steaming. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I guess you could say the same thing about Opeth. But like, you know, a, as much as I am not a big fan of like, sort of the new direction Opeth's taken with the last few albums, that doesn't change how I feel about like an album like Watershed. You know? Yeah. Or, but and I, I think it's the same thing here. It's like, yeah, sure, like Dawn of Diamond Dreams, not something I want to listen to. Uh, 
But you know what? I still got black up, man. I can still put on black up anytime. Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it it doesn't. Um... Like I, I don't. It's just you know, even if you want to keep moving bands. Um, I mean, I I actually have never listened to this band, but like, I I think people kind of get what I'm gonna say is that like you know, it'd be like you know, criticizing Modest Mouse for like every album they've made after Lonesome Crowded West. You know, it, it's just like, okay, like sure. But like you still got this awesome album. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it's it's nitpicking. Um, yeah, like I, I mean, I I get you. It, it sucks when you have uh you know a band who puts out a great album like this, and you know that they're capable of so much more, and they're capable of amazing things, and they just you know don't do that in your eyes. But I mean, I think there are just so many other factors at play too that it's it, it's almost unfair. In a way, to, to, to kind of keep picking at that knit, in a way. Like, I, um, I, I only feel, so you sent me uh, a few weeks ago now um, a little list of Ishmael Butler's like favorite Shabazz Palace songs. And I, I don't know if you noticed that I, I most of the tracks that he picked uh, were from Lice Majesty. Uh, and then I think the I I think there was only one track off of Black Up, if I remember right, that was like his favorite, and and I think that's very indicative of just sort of where his headspace is at, and that just maybe he's just not thinking there, you know. Yeah, and I think my my friend Ryan has a theory where when someone's working on their debut, it's literally the culmination of their creative energy up to that point. Yeah, but, 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 but Shabazz wasn't really like a debut, though, like, in a way. Like, Ishmael Butler had already made his, his name, in a way. Yeah, but it was a significant, uh, I mean, I guess I could try to Google it, but there was a significant gap between the last Diggle Planets well, album. Yeah, but I mean, okay, like, you could, do, you could say the same thing about, like, Doom, right? That, you know, like, but, but, like, that's not true for Doom, because, you know, I don't know about you, but I would rather listen to, like, you know, Mad Villain, you know, than, you know, listen to KMD. Yeah, I, I mean... But, I, I mean, I, I get the point. I, yeah. I, I just think that, like, you know, I, I feel like Ishmael Butler was already an established artist at this point in time. Uh, even if he had, you know, uh, a large gap of time between those two albums. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly it's not like a debut... You know, it's a, it's not a, a, a true debut, but Blowout Comb came out in '94. This came out in 2011. You know, yeah. it's a significant amount of time for him to do his own thing. And maybe, maybe he was like, "Oh shit, I didn't think this would get." Because th- this was really Black Up was super well received. Like, and yeah, it also and it came it was, out of nowhere too. It, it also, it was I'm pretty sure it was the first hip hop album released on, or, or it was one of the maybe clipping was I, I i think this came out before clipping i think it did big. too but yeah it was it was very unique that i mean it caught everyone off guard i remember you know sub pop which is not at all known for <laughs> known for hip-hop yeah um suddenly is releasing you know it, it kind hi- of oh you, you yeah, go so ahead they're releasing a hiatus ending record from one of underground rap's most celebrated you know mcs it, it was definitely a very um yeah and, and again at the end of the day like to your point it's just such a 
it's just such a unique great project that really it doesn't it doesn't really matter like it doesn't really doesn't really matter what came after you you don't have to listen to it i yeah. can put this on and it's it's just it's just dandy everyone every, no one no one no one gets hurt if you don't know what's there to scare you which is how yeah. i operate with everything else <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean i i is like I, I love this album um you know, it's I, I loved listening to it again while I was unpacking from my move. It was just a really fun time. Um, but, I, you know, we're getting a little over an hour, so I think... Um, do you want to talk about albums of the week? Yeah, and, and speaking of... I actually I inadvertently brought up my album of the week artist right. while talking. Uh, oh, okay. Pre- pre-ordered this a little while back. Was excited to see it uh, in a physical format. Um, clipping. Riggle, uh, Sub Pop finally, you know, was a digital only EP that they released on. Uh, oh, the, I, I didn't know that they did a physical version of that. Uh, unfortunately, it was only vinyl, which is uh, yeah, a shared. But, I mean, still. Uh, yeah, it's a shared yeah. peppy of ours when they only do one format. But, you know, I, I, do, yeah. collect, I do collect vinyl. So I, uh, the song Riggle by Clipping is easily my, well, like, I'd say it's pretty handily my favorite song of theirs. And, uh, what's cool about this version is they didn't just re, you know, re-release it. They added some uh, verses to some of the tracks, and the the B side has uh, some remixes of songs. Which I don't know why I'm surprised by this. Uh, so it was a hot day, so I had the windows open, and you know, naturally it's a pretty like sexual EP, but the remixes <laughs> really play that up. So some of the is is it like um. What was that song off of Run the Jewels two that has Gangsta Boo on it? Oh um, yeah, but like I, I mean, with that, like if you're not listening to lyrics, you could probably ignore it. But this, like some of the the samples and the underlying beat, the like the tweaks to those was like, okay, I'm gonna close my windows now. I don't need my neighbors here. <laughs> See, I, I, I think it's funny that that's what makes you close your your windows, not the whole like you know clipping sampling fucking White House. <laughs> Rico like Neil, like that is that's just such a cool yeah. Rigo um, like a fucking eel. So Rigo like a fucking eel. <laughs> I'm really, really glad to have. And I think what I like about this is, um, it's probably their most, maybe maybe mid city. Their first mixtape takes the takes the crown in this regard. But I think it's one of their most straightforward releases. Uh, it's it's very, you know, obviously they still have you know, they lean into like the industrial samples. You know, the. the title track is as a white house sample but it's... can you do the chicken skin swim can you do the chlorine gargoyle <laughs> can you wriggle like an eel <laughs> like a fucking eel yeah but like yeah there's no like the, all their albums have like that intro with like a big you know noise blast and they, they try to have like you know, there, there's nothing here it's just all grimy kind of in your face hip-hop and they go yeah. like real, really aggressive hip-hop and yeah i mean i'm i'm just a big uh I'm just really glad that they released it on vinyl. I actually have it physically, uh, and it's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just, is just... it is it like um is it a full like thirty three and a third like twelve inch? Yeah, because the, the the EP is pretty. Um, it's relatively. Just, it just seems like a waste of vinyl in a way. Yeah, I mean, it, it was relatively cheap. Like, I think it was only like. 15 which for a record these days is not bad um, yeah that, that's really good but it was yeah it was a six tracks on one side which which, which is, is decent that, that's a longer ep and, and the songs are each yeah. you know, all pretty long uh and then the 
I don't know how much I'll, I'll listen to the remixes on on the B side, but there were the generally good oh, remixes. Okay. Like so sometimes the remixes are are pretty. You know, sometimes remixes are just kind of like, oh, okay, that that was something that was made. Yeah, moving y- on. You know what? Uh, so, I, not to go too off topic, but um, I I don't know if you knew that um, Perfume Genius did uh, a remix album of his of his latest album. Oh, really? No, I didn't. Yeah, that. and uh, Boy Harsher, the uh, the EBM band, and like uh, Boy Harsher uh, did a remix of um, oh, uh, your body changes everything. I could not make it through like two minutes of that song. It was so like it was it, it, it was like they they basically just took Mike Hadrius's vocals and just made a completely new song under them. And it was like okay, I, I get I guess if that's your definition of a remix, sure. That's but like yeah, that's interesting. Damn, this was disappointing because I love I love both Perfume Genius and Boy Harsher a lot, and it was just like why. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, having those remixes on the on the B side, okay, like that makes a lot more sense to have it, you know, pressed on like a regular twelve inch. Then, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I'm glad it wasn't like, like uh, I don't have any ten inches, and I don't really, I don't really want to. <laughs> um, uh, I I I don't worry. I'm not going to make the joke. Well. I, I mean, guess I, some, I, 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 I guess I guess through saying that I already have. Yeah, in but, some context, I might be okay, but not with yeah. vinyl. Anyway, yeah, time to move on. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, I my album of the week uh, is uh, an interesting one, and you know, a couple of I mentioned that um, you know I've been listening to Master Reality for probably about ten years now, um, and same thing with this album. It's uh, nothing shocking by Jane's Addiction. Uh, I don't. I, I have you ever listened to Jane's Addiction, Scott? Uh, I don't think I've actually listened to a full Jane's Addiction album, but I saw them live with a, a friend. It oh was, yeah, they, yeah. They, they were they were with Nine Inch Nails, right? It was uh, it was the I think like it was the either Monster or it was some like energy drink tour, oh. and it was the it was a bunch of like hard rock bands, and then the headliners were Circus Survive, Coed and Cambria, Jane's Addiction, and Allison Chains. I cannot think of a weirder headline it was, like, than it, that. It was like when he told me who was playing, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's yeah, interesting." You, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty sure. That, I mean, the, the the funny thing is, like, I love all those bands except for Circus Survive because I just haven't really listened to them. But like, I I feel like for the most part, like sort of the the Venn diagram for that is pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yes. When it when it comes to mutual fans, yeah, in a way. Um, in any case, yeah, uh, nothing shocking. Uh, I've been listening to them for a long time now. I don't know how I got into Jane's Addiction, but uh, I I love this album, and I, I just put it on for the first time in a long time the other day, and just it was so much fun to listen to um, in the car. It just like, oh, like I, I I was trying to think of like in the car like how I would explain this album, and I think the best way to describe it is. Um, it's kind of like if it, 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 it's like Hard Rock's answer to a John Waters film is the best way I can describe Jane's Addiction, or that's at least re- nothing shocking. That's really fun. I like because that. because like well it's because it's it's good like it's really good, but like there are some parts of it that I think to some people like would come off as really cringy, uh, maybe not like 
ideologically, but like you know, just in terms of like like Perry Farrell's voice is um, not always the most like mellifluous um, thing you'll hear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think some people can deal with that. Some people can't. You know, I'm not gonna uh, you know bash somebody who who isn't a fan of that. But you know, things like that. You know, or um, you know, just sort of some of the lyrics are just bizarre. Um, you know, so it just reminds me of that because like John Waters does kind of the same thing. I mean, that it's just like he knows what he's doing, but he also, uh, you know, he, he's also trying to be as campy as possible. And like Jane's edition always kind of felt like that to me mm-hmm. that like they have like this level of camp to them that I, I just love. Like, it's just cheesy. Like there, there's a track called, um, I think it's called thank you boys. And that's it's just like a it's kind of like um it's like that song we have a bigger problem now but the Dead Kennedys where like it's like that lounge feel to it yeah and then just it then just ends with Perry Farrell just going thank you boys <laughs> it's just like it's like what the fuck and I'm like I, I love it like yeah. it's it's just great and like you have a track like Pigs and Zen that's just like again bizarre as fuck because he just goes on like the spoken word kind of like off the dome ramble. It, it, it's great it's just it's such a great fucking album i i love it so much and uh death grips actually uh samples part of it um in ex-military um <laughs> and i was just reminded of that when i had it on the other day oh. but um yeah just great album i can totally understand why people don't like jane's addiction or don't like perry farrell but god damn i love it <laughs> yeah i i they're definitely a band I should check out more. I, I, I have nothing against them. I just, have, you know, just just haven't. Uh, but I, they were super fun live. Yeah. I and mean, obviously, they, there's, there's plenty yeah. of their songs that I, I know. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I know I mean, that song. Jane says Mount, uh, Mountain Song. Yeah, you exactly. Know. Yeah. Exactly. So. They, did, were, were they by any chance uh, making out with each other on stage when you they saw them? They were not, but there was, uh, I'll just say there were a couple women on stage with them with uh, strategically placed tape. Uh, and that was a it was it was well, not the family friendly portion of the show is all there, I always heard that <laughs> during like their their older shows that they would just make out with each other on stage that didn't happen <laughs> but I if it more power to them if, if they did it would be I know I like I, I, I mean I, I kind of want to see Dave Navarro making out with Perry Farrell I don't know about you like I, I think more out of like morbid curiosity than anything yeah <laughs> just uh, to be like you know on your death maybe like yep i saw that <laughs> <laughs> tell your kids about it yeah yeah did i ever tell you about the time that perry farrell and dave navarro made out on stage on warp tour <laughs> good, good, good morning dad great to see you too <laughs> <laughs> okay the, the nurses are going to take you away now <laughs> Oh man! Someone, someone skipped his meds today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I, I think we need to end this now. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this, is, this is a good, uh, a good, good place to. It's a close yeah. off. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back next week, and until then, have fun. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, 
if you're interested. Uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast. Basically, uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.